You're listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled Managing Complex Cases in Graft versus Host Disease, Breakthroughs and Innovations is jointly provided by Global Medical Education Group and Spire Learning and is supported by an independent educational grant from Insight and CSL Baring. Before beginning this activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Your host is Dr. Paul Dagramji. Acute graft-versus-host disease is a common complication of allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation and is a major cause of morbidity and mortality. And while systemic corticosteroids are traditionally the first-line treatment for acute graft-versus-host disease, about half of patients are resistant to this kind of therapy. So, what other options are available for the treatment of steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease? Welcome to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Paul DeGramji, and joining me today are Drs. Doris Ponce and Corey Cutler. Dr. Ponce is an Associate Professor of Medicine at the Weill Cornell Medical College and Associate Member at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Dr. Ponce, it's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And Dr. Corey Cutler is an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, as well as the medical director of the Stem Cell Transplant Program at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks for being here today, Dr. Cutler. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Let's begin by gaining a deeper understanding of graft-versus-host disease. Starting with you, Dr. Ponce, can you give us a brief overview of the disease? Yes, of course. So, graft-versus-host disease remains a major cause of normalized mortality after allogeneic stem cell transplant. And graft-versus-host disease can be either acute or chronic. And timing before day 100 or after day 100 does not really define if you can have acute or chronic. Of course, in approximately 40 to 60% of our patients despite adequate prophylaxis. To the principal target organs affected by the acute graft-versus-host disease includes the skin, the liver, and the GI tract. And the severity of graft-versus-host disease is on a scale of one to four. In chronic graft-versus-host disease, other organs can be affected, and the severity goes from mild, moderate, to severe. The staging and grading of acute graft-versus-host disease includes um, different classifications. The most commonly used is the modified cluster criteria, magic criteria, IBMTR, and more recently, a standard versus high risk by Minnesota is more widely used. And if we zero in on our patients living with graft versus host disease for just a moment, Dr. Ponce, can you share what you consider to be a challenging case scenario? Treatment of graft versus host disease can be challenging. For example, patients who are intolerant to corticosteroids or those who are unable to keep on corticosteroids for a long period of time uncontrolled diabetes, or overweight patients who require higher doses of steroids. Patients who might require additional line of therapy, having cytopenias, or having issues with clotting, cause limits, or future line of therapy. Turning to you now, Dr. Cutler, what are the goals of therapy, and is there a standard of care for the management of moderate to severe acute graft-versus-host disease? So that's a good question. The main goal in therapy of acute graft-versus-host disease is obviously to turn off the alloimmune inflammatory process that's causing inflammation in the target organs, such as the skin, the GI tract, and the liver. When we do that, we often use drugs like steroids, which lead to a number of long-term complications, as Dr. Ponce just described. 
And so one of our goals in GVHD therapy is to minimize or limit the rate of long-term complications. And in doing so, we try to maximize quality of life for patients who are suffering with acute graft-versus-host disease. Of course, at the end of the day, since GVHD can be a life-threatening or life-ending process, the goal really is to improve overall survival. When we talk about treating acute graft-versus-host disease, for skin-limited disease confined to less than 50% of the body surface area, which we would call stage one or stage two skin and overall grade one skin GVHD, we sometimes can get away with topical corticosteroids alone, but if the skin involvement is extensive enough, then we do use systemic corticosteroids. The typical starting dose of systemic corticosteroids for skin-only disease uh, generally has been considered to be two milligrams per kilo of steroids, but many investigators choose to use lower doses, as little as one milligram per kilo per day of corticosteroids. In addition, for patients with very limited GVHD that require immune suppression, systemic serolimus has now been shown in a randomized trial to be equally effective as steroids in this setting for patients who have favorable risk based on biomarkers. When you get into higher degrees of skin involvement, so skin stages three or four, or any degree of visceral involvement, that is GI or hepatic involvement, then we need to use systemic corticosteroids. And we generally start at a dose of two milligrams per kilogram per day. Steroids are both our friend and our enemy. They are very potent anti-inflammatory agents, but in being so potent, they are often associated with toxicities and a higher risk of infection. So anything that we can do to limit exposure to corticosteroids is really uh, one of our goals in GVHD therapy today. If you reflect on your own practice, Dr. Ponce, how do you define a treatment response for acute graft-versus-host disease? That's a great question. One of the most critical time points for a disease assessment is stage 28. And usually at that time, we assess if our patient responded or not to our initial interventions, which typically our frontline treatment is corticosteroids. We will call a patient responder to treatment where they either achieve a complete response, a very good partial response, or a partial response. So complete response is defined as resolution of all the signs and symptoms of reversible disease with additional intervening reversible disease therapy. A very good partial response, so it's almost close to complete response. Uh, so patients are tolerating food or enteral feeding, they predominantly have formed stools and no abnormal GI bleeding or cramping and no more than occasional nausea body. The partial response is basically an improvement of our initial staging of reversible host disease without worsening in other target organs. When do we consider patients to be failure? So the H1A treatment failure is consistent of mixed response. So in mixed response, we have more than one organ affected by graft-versus-host disease, and while one of them is improving, another organ is deteriorating. Now, progression means that our patients had worsening of graft-versus-host disease symptoms from one organ without improvement in others, and non-response is stable is absence of any improvement in acute graft-versus-host disease. To consider this, this treatment response, we will 
assess patients that have been properly treated for graft-for-syphilis disease. If a patient uh, receives a gram per kilo per day, for example, then uh, this should be applicable. Also, I want to mention that there are other time points important to assess. So, um, if a patient is an early responder or not, so we do assess treatment response at different time points. So, day five, day seven is really critical. And also for late responses, like after day 28, we also want to see if the patient, what is the duration of response. So, day 56 is also an important time point for assessment of treatment response. Thank you. And if we zero in on steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease, Dr. Cutler, can you tell us how you define it? Of course. It's actually very important that we have common definitions that the transplant community accepts for these scenarios. So we define steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease as individuals who progress despite three to five days of two milligrams per kilogram of prednisone or its equivalent. Those individuals who fail to respond at all within seven days of dosing at that level, and then individuals who fail to have a complete response by day 28. There's also a scenario of steroid dependence. And so these are individuals who we can't taper prednisone below two milligrams per kilogram, or those patients who recur during a taper of their corticosteroids. And then finally, we do define individuals as being steroid intolerant. And these are individuals who cannot tolerate the side effects of steroids. And these represent a very distinct patient population in comparison to those who are truly steroid refractory or steroid dependent. Well, now that we have a better understanding on what steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease is, let's focus on how we can treat it. Dr. Cutler, what's your approach to managing this disease? So steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease is a very risky clinical situation associated with high morbidity and high mortality. Currently, there is only one drug that is approved for the management of steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease, although there are a number of agents that are being tested in early, intermediate, and late-stage clinical trials. And for that reason, we very often recommend participation in ongoing clinical trials. Current management is with the drug ruxolitinib when a clinical trial is not available. Ruxolitinib is a JAK2 inhibitor, and it was approved on the basis of the REACH1 study, although more recently, the REACH2 clinical trial, which was a randomized phase three study, was actually uh, reported and was found to be a positive study. This was a trial in which just over 300 subjects were randomized to ruxolitinib or a control therapy deemed to be the investigator's choice. And the response rate at day 56, so the durable response rate, was nearly 40% in the ruxolitinib arm, but only 22% in the control arm. That being said, responses in higher grade steroid refractory acute GVHD are not great still, and therefore there is plenty of work to be done in steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease. And how about you, Dr. Ponce? How does your approach differ from Dr. Cutler's? And do you have any thoughts uh, you'd like to add on ruxolitinib as a second-line therapy for acute graft versus host disease? 
I do not differ with Dr. Cutler. I am um, complete agreement. Finally, we have a drug approved by the FDA. So that is my second line, first choice for our patients. It's important to highlight that, as Dr. Cutler mentioned, there's still a lot of room for improvement. It's important to highlight that there was an improvement in non-relapse mortality. So there's an area to consider for improvement. Besides treating the patient for stereotactical disease, it's important also to provide additional supportive care. Like, for example, these patients who have issues with bone health, vitamin D, dental issues, diabetes, and other things that could arise just because of the nature of the treatment. A multidisciplinary approach for these patients is really critical to keep their quality of life to be optimal. For those just tuning in, this is CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Paul DeGramji, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Doris Ponce and Dr. Corey Cutler on the topic of steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease. Looking at the current treatment landscape for steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease, we really only have ruxolitinib available as a second-line option. So if we look ahead at what's on the horizon, Dr. Ponce, can you tell us about emerging treatment options that are under investigation for this disease? One of the therapeutic options that are uh, currently being under investigation is a drug called also known as AAT, and it's a serum protease inhibitor that can modulate immune and inflammatory functions through alteration of cytokine profiles. And what do we know about this? We know that a low alpha-1-trypsin plasma levels in human donors were found to be associated with a higher rate of acute graft-versus-host disease. And based on these observations, a prospective phase one two dose escalation study was performed to evaluate the use of alpha one antitrypsin in the treatment of serorefactor acute graft-versus-host disease. It was evaluated in, in 40 patients for the treatment of serorefactor acute graft-versus-host disease, and we found that the overall response rate by day 28 was 65%, and the complete response rate was 35%, which was a very encouraging result. And currently, there are two clinical trials on the way to further evaluate alpha one strypsin for reference to host disease. One of them is a phase two, three studies for newly diagnosed lower GI acute reference to host disease for high-risk patients in combination with cortical steroids. And also, there's an early access trial for patients with refractor acute reference to host disease. We also have another drug, which is a combination of two murine monoclonal antibody against CD3 and CD7, each of which is conjugated to a recombinant rising toxin A chain. What do we know about this drug is anti-T-cell immunotoxins designed with synergistic in vivo depletion and suppression of T-cells, allowing for a rapid post-treatment reconstitution of the immune system. Here. So one of the major limitations in the treatment of reference to disease has to do that we will exacerbate in the reconstitution of our patients. So this fact of the drug is very critical because the reconstituting immune system is one of the aims after stem cell transplant. So in a, in a phase one, two trial, the six-month overall survival rate was 60%, and including uh, 64%, 7 of 11% classified at high risk by biomarkers. The one-week course of treatment with P3C7IT caused profound but transient depletion of T cells and NK cells. Treatment-related adverse events were included hypovolemia, microangiopathy, and or thrombocytopenia. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Ponce, for breaking all that down for us. And now let's tune in to get a deeper look at the molecular targets of these newer therapies. Janus kinases, or JAKs, are intracellular signaling molecules that are well-positioned to regulate GVHD. Ruxolitinib, a selective JAK inhibitor for subtypes JAK1 and JAK2, reduces the pro-inflammatory environment of GVHD by inhibiting donor T-cell expansion and inflammatory cytokine production. Alpha-1 antitrypsin, or AAT for short, inhibits serine proteases from neutrophils and macrophages to protect tissue from proteolytic degradation. In addition, AAT attenuates the severity of GVHD by additional mechanisms, including reduction in inflammatory cytokines and alterations in the ratio of effector T-cells to regulatory T-cells. CD3-CD7-IT consists of a one-to-one -one mixture of two murine monoclonal antibodies against CD3 and CD7, each of which is separately conjugated to a recombinant ricin toxin A chain. CD3-CD7-IT therapy induces apoptosis in target cells by inhibiting protein synthesis, resulting in the synergistic depletion of both natural killer cells, or NK cells, and T cells. In addition, the anti-CD3 antibody blocks the T-cell receptor, or TCR, preventing T-cell activation and the release of inflammatory cytokines. Now that we've learned a bit more about the mechanism of action of treatment options for steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease, Dr. Cutler, do you have any thoughts on emerging therapies you'd like to share? Sure. There are lots of other agents that are in development for the therapy of acute graft-versus-host disease. We're fortunate that it's now a renewed area of interest. I would first comment that prevention of acute graft-versus-host disease is really critical here. And as we develop more effective GVHD prevention strategies, hopefully we won't need these agents for advanced GVHD. But I will mention that agents that target T-cell trafficking, particularly to the GI tract, are being developed for acute GVHD. There's a non-depleting anti-CD6 antibody that's under development for the therapy of GVHD. Mesenchymal stem cells are returning as a possible therapeutic. And we continue to explore the role of extracorporeal phototherapy, or ECP, in the management of acute GVHD. I also want to add something. Regeneration of the intestinal mucosa is also an active area that it might be complementary for improvement of rapacillal disease, particularly when it's affecting the, the gut. Well, knowing what we do now about the current and future treatment landscape for acute graft-versus-host disease, let's switch gears a bit and focus on some best practices for its management. Dr. Ponce, can you outline the key components of a team-based approach to managing and monitoring patients with acute graft-versus-host disease? Yes, of course. It's very critical to highlight that the treatment of patient graft-versus-host disease is a team effort. Multidisciplinary input is critical at this point. So more our assessments in, in taking care of patients include our, our clinic nurse, who's inpatient or our patient. This person probably spends lots of their time with the patient, so it's really important to have a good team. And then we assess the patient or on different organs. So for the skin, we apply the rule of nine for reassessing the body surface area. And in that way, it helps us to properly stage 
the patient in terms of what severity they have of reparative oak disease. We also have advanced nurse practitioner or physician assistant uh, where we can discuss treatment options with patients and other team members. We also have pharmacists that uh, provide insights about drug-drug interactions and uh, potential adverse events that we should be looking at for our patients. It's important to bring to the people other disciplines. So, for example, if having a dermatologist on board can be very helpful. Same for endocrine, since patients do have issues with hyperglycemia, and a dentist can be also very helpful. And we also like to bring on board nutritionists. Our patients tend to be malnourished, and their appetite is decreased, or having diarrhea. So, it's important to keep the nutritional aspect on board. And it's important for our patients to have a physical therapy routine. So in the outpatient setting, we can provide input to the patient and infectious disease prophylaxis, particularly for patients who are on high dose of steroids. Some centers, like at least do surveillance culture, something to consider if the patient is in a prolonged use of corticosteroids and they have a line place, for example, and then address the eye symptoms, how to minimize that or how to provide a better quality of life. It is important for patient overall care. Well, now we're almost out of time for today, so I just have one final question for you both. What are some key take-home messages for community providers? Dr. Ponce, let's hear from you first. All right, thank you. I think uh, it's important to remember that graphic disease is frequent. Even for patients who return back to the community after day 100, it's common to see graphic disease developing. Many patients start having signs of rapid-to-hosis time or cousin inhibitor or take. It's important to take into account these symptoms. And the treatment remains corticosteroid and drug approved for the treatment of therapeutic rapid-to-hosis is proselytinib. That is considered now the choice in the failure of corticosteroids for response. It's important to remember that uh, rapid-to-hosis disease do require a team effort and multidisciplinary care is critical to improve quality of life and also the outcome of our patients. And Dr. Cutler, I'll give you the final word. Thanks. I would echo what Dr. Ponce said. I would encourage my community partners to consider referring the patients who are getting acute graft-versus-host disease back to the transplant center. While we are making nice strides and are beginning to have an algorithmic approach to acute GVHD, Our progress really depends on clinical trials and learning new ways and better ways of treating acute GVHD. And so to maximize our ability to do clinical trials to help patients the most and to hopefully improve outcomes, hopefully referral back to the transplant center for management of bad acute GVHD is something that uh, everyone will consider. Well, with those key take-home messages in mind, I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Doris Ponce and Corey Cutler, for speaking with me and our ReachMD audience about treating steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease. It was great having you both on the program. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very motivating to be part of this. Thank you. This activity was provided by Global Medical Education Group and Spire Learning and was supported by an independent educational grant from Insight and CSL Bearing. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.